I'm Laura Youngkin of The Brave Millennial. This is Lars Helgeson, CEO of Greenrope and author of CRM for Dummies. I'm Allison Bloom-Fetchback, the founder and CEO of Know Your Crew. This is Brad Van Dam, president and CEO of Marge Confectionery. And you're listening to High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. Hey, welcome everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, I am too excited about who you're about to hear from because, you know, every now and then we're always looking for uh, CEOs in all types of industries, people who have a unique experience, uh, whether it is, um, you know, with emerging talent or with new products, uh, people who've been around for a while. Uh, But this one was a very interesting interview, especially due to the timing. So by the time you guys hear this, she's had clients that have won and participated in the Super Bowl. (laughs) Yes, Um, she is an incredible woman who was in the men's uh, journal article. Uh, She has been recently talked about as um, recently as the last few months of someone who's behind the scenes. She is the. Uh, the the person of any athlete's career, whether it be uh, mainly football, but basketball, soccer, uh, other personalities and people that she's managed before in the world of sports. Very interesting woman. Uh, she is the CEO and founder of EAG Sports Management. It's a company that really helps athletes in their career. Um not just from their rookie time, but even after they leave their respective game. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about someone you may not know, but after this, you will definitely know her name is Denise White. I personally, I'm, I'm so grateful I got a chance to actually interview this woman. So um, this was right after uh, the Super Bowl. And uh, originally we were supposed to interview her before the Super Bowl, but timing and everything that happened with her clients obviously making it to the Super Bowl we had to switch some things up but I'm gonna stop talking because I want you guys to hear this this is my interview with the wonderful incredible CEO of EAG Sports Management Denise White take a listen her name is Denise White Denise how are you I'm good thanks for having me I appreciate it absolutely absolutely so so let's kind of start at the beginning because our audience may or may not know uh, who Denise is and, and how the heck did you even end up uh, where you are today? But just just talk us through a little bit about, um, first of all, how you got to sports management, uh, because as I did some research, you were really working with a few celebrities at the time and then you kind of stumbled into this work. So give everybody just a quick understanding. Yeah, of how I you went got to here. school podcast journalism. I was a journalist before I did what I do now. And um, I had worked in Oregon for about five years, co-hosting morning shows, and then moved back to San Diego, where I'm originally from, and was co-hosting a morning show down there, and and was on a radio station. Um, And then uh, eventually, the radio station was sold, and we were all cast out. That's what happens in radio and television. A new company comes in, buys, and then everybody loses their jobs. So I moved to Los Angeles thinking that I would do entertainment reporting. And I didn't know at the time that you needed an agent and that there was a thousand other people wanting to do the same job. So (laughs) when I got here, I kind of scrambled really quickly to find an income and kind of worked in production for a while and then started working with some entertainers, I found that there was a lot of entertainers that needed uh, assistance, right? Just in PR, man, 
management, marketing, just a lot of that. And, and I actually got a good friend. Her name's Kim Whitley. She's a character actress. And from that, I started working with her on her hit show at the time, which was called Sparks. It was on, it was a UPN show. And from that parlayed into working with the rest of the cast. So Robin Gibbons was um, a client of mine, Miguel A. Nunez. Um, James Avery, and then I did some work with Samuel L. Jackson, who was not on the show, who was just a, a feature film actor. And at the time, I was doing this, but I wasn't really where I felt I wanted to be. My my interest had been in journalism prior to this, and by mere luck, I met a gentleman by the name of Derek Thomas, who at the time was one of the, the leading pass rushers in, in the league, and uh, he was just a phenomenal person, uh, and he played for the Kansas City Chiefs. And we had a, uh, a what's called a rap party in Hollywood. So when you wrap a season of filming a TV show, you have a rap party. And we had invited Derek to our rap party, and he brought along with him a young kid who they just had drafted by the name of Tony Gonzalez. And I met Tony, and he and Robin had sparked an interest in one another at the time. And so Tony and I talked quite often to get to Robin. He had to go through me. And uh, he asked if I could do what I was doing for the entertainers for him. And I asked him, well, didn't you have somebody doing that for you? And he had an agent at the time, but they just weren't fulfilling his needs off the field the way that he had anticipated. So I said, sure, I can try it. I, I mean, the worst thing we find out is that this isn't anything I want to do or I'm not good at it, right? Although I was doing it for entertainers at the time. And when I, what I found out is when I did start working for Tony, I really loved sports. Uh, I knew that already, but and I really loved football. And so Tony turned into another client, which turned into another client, which turned into another client. I dropped entertainers altogether and just started working in sports because I really found a love and a passion for uh, sports in general and for the athletes. And a lot of these guys came from circumstances such as mine, which was I had a, um, a hard upbringing, wasn't your traditional route. And, uh, and so I really connected to not just the sports and the work, but I connected to the athlete. And uh, that's how the company started. That is so awesome. So there's a couple of dynamics in there that I think definitely for today's world, um, you know, social media is everything. Um, you see a lot about these young, just phenomenal athletes. But what I'm curious about is what have you kind of noticed? Because you, if you noticed, you kind, you kind of went from one generation of a Tony, you know, Gonzalez to, you know, now you've got on your roster. I've seen just an incredible roster, by the way, you know, Tyron Matthew and all these, you know, Jarvis Landry, all, all these different people that you, you constantly are involved with. I'm curious, what have you noticed about the difference uh, when you're dealing with millennial talent versus maybe when you were having conversations with celebrities of, of Gen Xers and even some of the 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 older arc of, of, of boomers who are owning these sports teams or working with these bigger conglomerates? What are some of the differences you notice that that millennial athletes are bringing to the table that you kind of have to uh, manage when it comes to really helping that that millennial talent mature through their professional athlete career? Well, when I first started, there barely was the internet, let alone social media, right? Right. So, <laughs> struggles were much different then. Um, when they got into trouble and there was a crisis management situation, you were able to keep it quiet for the most part. Um, and if you didn't keep it quiet, if it already hit the news at some point, 
you were still able to manage it because you were dealing directly with news outlets. They weren't just posting when they wanted to post, right? So nowadays, obviously, it's a complete different dynamic, and it's uh, the beast. It's the beast. You love the beast, and you hate the beast all at the same time, which is social media. <laughs> all right. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's good and it's bad. And so these, you know, the, the problem with millennials today is they think that they need to share everything on social media. And what we, what we try to teach our guys is not everything is shareable, right? That's right, right. And, um, and the other part of millennials today is that they're – I want it all now. I, a lot of times they don't realize the work that the people prior to them have put in to get to where they need to be. Um, it's a little different with athletes sometimes um, on the field because, you know, their work speaks for itself, right? Sure, sure. But things like the marketing opportunities, the businesses, the, the growth, um, those things come with work as well. And sometimes with millennials, they don't see that, right? They just think they see who has what now because social media is so deceiving at times that they want those things. So it's really putting a realistic realistic aspect to business on and off the field for the athlete and um, trying to curb those um, expectations or the unrealistic ones and uh, still getting the athlete what he needs. Yeah, absolutely. So, you, you know, I'm curious as to your thoughts on um, – maybe some of the misconceptions when dealing with, you know, pro athletes, because you, you, you do this stuff every day, all day. Um, and congratulations, by the way, you know, you had, you know, Super Bowl was a big win, <laughs> obviously for, for some yeah, of your clients. Yeah, we three guys on the Super Bowl winning team, so that, we're very excited about that. That is so awesome. So, so talk to me about um, maybe some misconceptions. What, what is it that maybe that you hear out there about, you know, young professional athletes that you that you realize, wait a minute, that's actually not true. And, and, and you have maybe had some realizations about, you know, working with young professional athletes that maybe the rest of the public just wouldn't understand. Well, there's a lot that's untrue. Unfortunately, with social media, again, like I said, it's it's great and it's horrible all at the same time. People can put anything out there and you believe it. I spend some of my days during the week just trying to get stuff taken off the Internet and off of social media that people have decided to put up that's defamatory or slanderous against our clients. But I think what people most don't, I think when they see that big paycheck, right, you know, Tom Brady signs for $200 million or Tyron Matthew signs for $60 million, they think those athletes get all that money. And that's such a misconception mm. because what they understand is take $50 million and cut that in half because the government's going to take half of it, right? Mm -hmm. So that $50 million just turned into $25 million. Then take the fees that come out of that, right? The fees that come out of that for your agent, for your manager, for whatever. So now that's probably down to a good $20 million. And then we've got the families that we have to provide for because so many of these guys provide for their families and extended families and, and the cars and the house and all of that good stuff. And when it comes down to it, that five-year, $50 million contract now really is a five-year, $15 million contract, right? Mm -hmm. And then and don't that contract be backloaded, which means the agent has backloaded the contract and a big portion of that contract is on the fourth and fifth year, which means the athlete will most likely never see that money because they'll renegotiate whether he's doing better or worse, depending on how his play is. Right. So 
the misconception is that people will say, oh, these guys make so much money. And granted, to the normal person that's working out a nine to five, it's a lot of money, right? Even mm-hmm. 15 million is a lot of money. It's not as much as people think it is. And these guys absolutely work their butts off for it, right? They're, they're out there killing their bodies, killing some of them killing their minds with the concussions, which I hate to even think about because some of these guys I'm so close to. Right. Um, it, it's, there's some misconceptions about, about their livelihoods and how, you know, somebody, I, I heard somebody the other day say, well, I mean, how much more do they need to get paid? And I said, well, I don't know how much more is your brain worth? Right. You know, like <laughs> you tell me, like, what's your health worth? Because to me, my health, my health has no, has no price tag on it. Mm-hmm. it it's worth more than anybody could pay me. Right. So if want to go out there and have fun and, and you want to sit there and watch these guys play, you know, 17 games, it's worth something, right? Mm-hmm. So it's um, it, there's a lot of misconceptions out there, but I think that's one of the larger ones. Wow, that that's pretty interesting. So let's, let's quickly switch topics here because, you know, I saw an interview that you did um, on her turf and it was, it was very awesome. And I went and looked at, you know, some of the things that you kind of discussed and some of the things that I could really tell um, – were were a driving force to get you to where you were today, and, I, and I'm curious to your, to your thoughts on if you don't mind expounding on. I saw the interview you did, and you really talked about um, some of the challenges of just being a, a woman in such a male dominated industry, and and some of the things that you face just trying to do your everyday job, right? Like I, I think it was very interesting uh, to 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 share even into, and I, I'm saying it's interesting because it's 2020. And you're still having to talk about, um, you know, things being fair, right? You're still having right. to fight uh, certain uphill battles that if you like, as you said in, in the interview, and it was it was amazing. You talked about, look, if I was a man, I would that wouldn't even be a, a conversation or people wouldn't right. be asking me for these extra things. I'm just curious as to, you know, as you look at the multi-generational aspect of these corporations, of these um you know, uh, billion dollar, uh, uh, toys known as uh, NFL teams and, and, and all these things that are going on. And there's a, there's a multi-generational aspect to it. Uh, primarily it's boomers who, you know, who are billionaires who own these teams. And then you've got the players and you got the management, you got the corporations behind it. You got the, the marketing, all those different pieces. Why is it, do you feel that we're still having to fight? You're still having to fight that battle as a woman. What is it that I would say even myself as a man that that maybe there's things that maybe there's a ceiling or something. But what do you think it is that just makes it still twice as hard, even though we all know um, uh, whether people know it or not? Women are running the marketing and all the engines behind most of the sports we play anyway. So why do you think that there's there's a difficulty there of uh, really getting um, the, the, the just reward and the and the, I guess, accomplishments and acknowledgement needed? Um, especially when we're so far removed from so many of the things that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, um, we, you've had to deal with as a woman. I, I hate to put a gender and a race on it, but I'm going to, sure. um, uh, it, 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 you know, look at who owns the 32 teams, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly Caucasian, older men mm-hmm. and, and, and their era, um, women were not looked on as leaders, or, um, you know, people that should be owning a team, leading a, a club, um, being a vice president, a president, 
of an organization. And so you, you have that archaic thought process um, where you marginalize women to keep your thumb on them, right? Versus mm. letting people know that this woman is just as smart as I am and can run this league, can run this team, can run this organization, can be the head of a marketing firm or a management firm for an athlete, what, regardless of what sport it is. Sure. I use football as I, our, our primary focus in our office is NFL, although we do work on all of their sports. But I feel like being a woman, I, I grew up in the era of, there was I, I I had to fight every every step of the way to to be noticed as a businesswoman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, women today don't necessarily have to fight the fight that I fought, um, although it's not where it needs to be. Um, we know that um, gender gender there's gender bias and there's also racism still in this right? Um, both very, still very large, um, maybe one larger than the other. And so I still think there's a fight that's being fought, um, uh, when it comes to women in the workplace, regardless of what type of work it is, whether it's sports or politics. Um, I think we're, we're definitely starting to crack that glass ceiling. That's for sure. Because you see more women in, in male dominated roles than you did when I first started 23 years ago. Um, it, we still have a long ways to come, but, um, or to go rather, but we've come a long ways. And I feel like, um, it, it, it's unfortunate that the marginal, the marginalization that was given to me and, and other women, um, in my bracket of, of expertise, um, was unfortunate because it just tried to slow us down. Luckily, uh, for those of us who wouldn't take no for an answer, we forged ahead. Absolutely. But, that, um, you know, when you work in a male-dominated industry, sometimes you have to get uncomfortable to get comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to make other people uncomfortable to get comfortable. And so I feel like that's kind of what my focus was, is letting people get uncomfortable to finally feel comfortable with women in, the, in this workplace. Yeah. Um, and it's still, ha- you know, still happening. We still, we still, like I said, have a ways to go. But I think it's, it's much more easier for, I, you know, I mentor and talk to young women today that want to work in the sports industry, and they just don't have those, um, those hills to climb like I did. Um, and so hopefully I feel like maybe I helped it to make it a little bit easier for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk, let's talk really quickly about the, the culture of EAG. Um, talk to me about, you know, what's the culture like there and, 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 and what makes it so that, because I always think in, when we talk to CEOs all the time and in different business industries, um, as the culture, so goes the company, so goes the client, so goes the customer, right? So, so talk to me a little bit about the culture of EAG and kind of what is your vision for the future of, of your company? When you think, you know, 10 years down the road, when you think, you know, 20 years down the road, like what's, What's that look like, and, and what's what about your current culture today that is attracting uh, high-level talent um, on a consistent basis that you're able to build these long-term relationships with? Well, I think one is that we connect with the athlete, right? I think a lot of where I've been and who I've worked with help athlete get comfortable and, more importantly, trust. Because any relationship you're in, trust is the building is the building component. Right? If they don't trust you, they don't want to work with you, and you have to be able to trust the work with. And I think that we EAG has done a really good job, myself, my staff, of making the athletes know that they can trust us with anything. 
whether it's personal information, private information, business information, work-related, um, that they can trust us. And the culture here is is really that, that an athlete can come into EAG and trust us with everything and we'll get it handled for them. And that's why I think we've kept our athletes for as long as we've had. Um, we've had 15, 16 years well into their retirement. And, um, and then we've had guys, you know, we have new guys that trust the fact worked with large names from the Tony Gonzalez to the Antonio Gates, the Jared Allen, the Terrell Suggs, to the younger guys now, the new generation, Tyron Matthews, Jarvis Landry's, those guys. So when you see an agency as EAG and you've seen the work that, that we've done, who we've worked with and continue to work with, we're not just a one-hit wonder. We've been able to get guys, but more importantly, keep them. I always say, it's not the hill you climb, it's the platform that you can on top of it and how long you get to stay on that platform is what matters, right? Mm-hmm. We can all climb the hill, but if we go back down it again, it's not like we ever climbed it. So it's really getting the athlete, but more importantly, keeping the athlete, that is our focus on a daily basis. Oh, that's, that's perfect. I, I love that. And I, I think that will be one of the best quotes we put up about this episode. when We've launched this episode. So um, last couple of questions here. You know, um, you I heard you mention earlier and I, and I could tell in a, in a lot of the the uh, the stuff that we see uh, EAG does. You're very close to your athletes and it, yeah. it, it shows up in, in the way you talk about it. Um, and it shows up in in the narrative that is written throughout your communications. It's it, it shows. So so tell us why, um, especially, you know, Super Bowl aside and all those other things. What makes the Honey Badger somebody that you're so proud of at this time in, in, in his career? You know, um, I got Tyron uh, uh, when he first got into the league, and he had some struggles, which have been well documented. And what happened with Tyron and I is we became close because we both came from similar situations, right? I was a foster kid. He was a kid that was um, uh, adopted. Uh, by um, some family members. He struggled um, in his youth with with those circumstances, as did I. And I think we found a really common ground where we could relate to one another. Um, I, I, I laugh and say when I first got into this business, I was the age where I was everybody's sister. Now I'm the age where I'm, I could be somebody's mother. <laughs> so, um, so we laugh because I call him baby bear and he calls me mama bear. But, um, it, it's because... You, when you connect with an athlete, you have that connection with someone. And and, and, and don't get me wrong, I have a connection with all my athletes. I, I, I think they're all amazing young men and women. And, and you find that common ground where you have some synergy and you have things that, are, that, that you can relate to because it's, it's um, commonality. But I think when you come from any type of struggle or adversity as a child, no matter what that struggle or adversity is, it's easier for you to connect with others that have gone through something similar, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And have that trust factor. They know how you feel when they come to you and they say, I'm really struggling today because it's Mother's Day and I don't know who to send a card to or if I have anybody to send a card to, wow, right? Wow. Or it, you know, I, I want to invite my, um, you know, my parents to my wedding, but I haven't talked to them in 10 years, you know? Mm-hmm. So those type of where it's they they trust you with their most personal information, but with Tyron, we just have that common bond because we both had come from adversity as children, and I think that's one of the reasons why 
guys and the guys that I work with, we relate so well is because a lot of them have had adverse children, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you can sympathize with them because you've been through it or sometimes worse than what they've been through, they know that when you them and you and you tell them you know how they feel that you actually do. And I think that that's a level of trust, a level of sympathy, a level of love um, you have for for some of the people that you work with. And Tyron is one of those um, because I do. I, I I love him. I care about him as as an athlete, as as a friend, as um, as a baby bear, as as his mama bear. And, and I'm not his mother. He has a mother. Um, and he has an adoptive mother, but um, I, I like to think of him as my as my work child. <laughs> <laughs> there you I'm go. Absolutely. I'm his work mother. Right. Yeah, right. and um, he's a good he's a good young man, and, and I, the best part about him is I, is I watched him blossom into a spectacular human being, and it wasn't like he wasn't that spectacular human being when I met him, but he has matured. He has listened. He has grown, and he has taken in all of the advice that people have given him over the years, and he's really parlayed that into a wonderful life that he now shares with his soon-to-be wife. He's getting married next month, and his um, three children, and I'm just so, so proud of him. That is so awesome, and that, that's that's good to hear, um, and, I, and it, it speaks to why the culture of EAG is what it is, because you guys really do care about your athlete. All right, last question I have for you. So. Okay. You're, you're Denise White. You have done the grit grind and everything in between um, to, to get the company where it is today. What is like that next big thing that you you, you see you want to accomplish when it comes to your career? What, what's what's next for, for, for Denise? What's what's the what's the thing you're you're looking to, to accomplish? A good question. I don't know. You know, I think. As a business owner, you always want to grow your company. I'd love to see us branch out a little bit more um, into not just football, even though that's my first love. Um, we do have other sports, but I'd love to see the company grow a little bit more in those other sports. And I think that's probably what my goal is for EAG is to just get bigger. Not much. I really like the size we are because we do get to give that one-on-one personal attention to our clients. So mm-hmm. we get big you kind of lose that and I think that's what made us um stand the test of time is that we do give that one-on-one attention to our athletes so I don't want to get too big but I wouldn't mind getting a little bit bigger and and growing out the other divisions of our sports uh that would you know complete company as a whole I think absolutely good deal good deal well listen Denise I I will I will say this um it is a it is a pleasure to know that you exist in this uh in this industry um, okay. obviously there were trailblazers before you and you are clearly a trailblazer for a lot of, uh, young women who are coming through, who are probably in high school, have no idea who you are, right. Uh, in college who are interested in sports management, but I would definitely say for the amount of stuff that, uh, you've done, you've definitely been a trailblazer and there's probably, uh, many different, um, other hills and plateaus to build that a lot of people will probably not know you had a lot to do with. So I'm just really thankful for what you bring to the, uh, to, to, to the culture of sports management. And more importantly, the fact that these athletes have somebody they can look to and they can trust because 
uh, trusting somebody with everything that that they are responsible for can be difficult at times. And we've seen enough sad stories of people losing it all because they had a bunch of bad apples around them. Right. Um, so it's really good to know you guys exist. So thank you for your time. Thank you for being on our podcast, High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. And we really look forward to seeing what you guys do in the future. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Man, um, I hope you guys love this High Level Wisdom Bite. Yes, I call it a bite because it's not necessarily the full interviews that we normally do, but this is an opportunity that I got and I said we got to jump on it. And so I hope you love this type of bite. Uh, tell me what you think about it. Listen, I want to first and foremost say thank you to the team at EAG Sports Management for helping us get this set up. Thank you to Madison. Uh, she knows who she is. I really, really appreciate all her correspondence and communication to make this happen. And I want to thank Denise for being a pioneer, for being a trailblazer, for being somebody who many women have come behind her who have no idea. She's a giant they're standing on the shoulders of. And I want to thank her for being on the show. Thank you for listening to the show. If this is your first time, man, thank you so much. Tell people how you found it. Make sure that you share this on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Tag us at High Level Wisdom. Make sure you tag EAG Sports Management as well. We want to thank you for listening. And we hope that everything you do, you do it at a high level. Take care and have a great day.